The reading this morning is from John 9, chapter 9, um, from, and on page uh, 1664 in the Black Church Bibles, or on the screen. As he went along, he saw a, mi- a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. This this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. Thank you. Now, I wonder wonder if you've ever thought you could see clearly but been blind. Okay, I'm about to paint something. Now, Nathan, come up here. Okay, now we've got two sets of coloured glasses. Blue, red. Can you just turn around and face that wall, please, so you can't see what's being painted here? Okay, everyone else can. So hopefully, this is kind of clear. So here is something. (laughs) Almost lost it. (laughs) All right. All right. Very good. Looks like, um, well, I'm not going to tell you what it looks like. That would be giving a tip, wouldn't it? Okay, all right. So there's something. (laughs) All right. All right. Okay, now, Nathan, I'm going to get you to put on the red glasses. This may or may not work, but just go with me. (laughs) Okay, can you tell us, turn around, turn around, tell us what, what do you see here? Oh, it didn't work. All right, but you see a blue, something friendly, and mostly you're blind to whatever else you thought you might see. All right, very good. I would know. You would know, would you? Okay, turn around, turn around. Now, swap glasses. There we go. <laughs> All right, turn around, turn around. What can you see now? Uh, blue man. No, you're not meant to say blue man. <laughs> oh, really, 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 but this stands out, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's a gash. Okay, very good. So that didn't work. Um, <laughs> thanks, Nathan. That was really helpful. All right, so <laughs> the, I- 
just imagine, pretend that it worked, all right? So with, with, with rose-coloured glasses on, okay, um, you can't see what's harmful to you. You can only see what's friendly, nice people. With the dark-coloured glasses on, you can't see what's friendly. You only see what's harmful. That was meant to illustrate that, nevertheless. Okay, so sometimes we can think we see clearly but actually a blind. This was like Narelle and myself. Some people have come around to our house for dinner and they've asked, you know, how did you meet? And they tell the story. If you've missed out, here it is. So I was 15 um, and for five years I admired Narelle from a distance, thinking that she'd be completely blind to a lanky lad like me. It was like she was the light, I was the ugly moth kind of fluttering around her. <laughs> in and out the sphere of her glow, endlessly fascinated, but careful not to go too close, lest I be burnt by her rejection of me. That's how I saw things, until one day Narelle actually fronted up and said, I have been dropping hints for two years. When are you going to do something about this? All right, so sometimes you think you can see clearly, but be blind to what's true. Now, today's story is about seeing and being blind. Jesus is walking with his disciples. He sees a man who's been blind from birth. Jesus and his disciples can see. The man can't. Then Jesus' disciples say something which reveals their blindness towards the man. They say, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You see the assumption they're operating with? If someone is suffering, they must be being punished for something that they have done wrong. They deserve it. Okay, so if someone has been suffering all their life, being blind from birth, that means that either they've done something really bad very early on, really early on, in the womb, how's that possible, or the parents sinned, that he was born blind. Okay, Friday morning, I'm lying asleep, I wake up, my phone goes off, and it's a lady from Pakistan who's ringing me. Now, I, did, I actually did, had been in previous contact with this lady. She's a pastor's wife. And she was ringing me to ask my opinion about something. So I go up in the backyard <laughs> to start talking to her. And she said, I just, sorry to trouble you, I just wanted to know, uh, hear what you thought. You see, my, um, my young son fell downstairs and had a brain injury and he had to be operated on. But that actually also happened to his sister. They've only got two kids, son and daughter. Both of them had fallen down the stairs. Both of them had head injuries. Both of them had brain operations. She said, am I being punished for a sin that I have done? Because everyone's saying it. Okay. I took her to John chapter 9. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sin that he was born blind. This happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. That is, we don't actually have access to all the details as to why someone else suffers. But sometimes it's just because we're outside of Eden and we're not in heaven yet. There's not a direct punishment going on. This man, this, this, sorry, the disciples' blindness to this man, this man raises at the very start of the story an important point that there are different sorts of blindness A person might be able to physically see, like the disciples, but at the same time be blind to the truth about another person. And that seems true for all of us, but not for Jesus. He seems to know the truth about this man. He speaks of himself as being the light of the world. 
Now, this is introductory, but it's important. Okay, if you're in the dark and you're the one holding a lantern up, right, only you can see, but actually if other people come into your light, then they can also see. The question is raised, could someone who is physically blind be made to see by coming into Jesus' light? And the answer is yes. Because Jesus spits on the ground, he makes some mud, he smears it on the man's eyes, he tells him to go and wash, which he does, and then he comes home seeing. This is an outstanding miracle. In the Bible, up until this moment, no one has ever healed someone who's been born blind. It hasn't happened. And neither does it happen after Jesus returns to the Father's side. The disciples do miracles, but they don't cure blindness. Right? So there's this brief window for this sort of work to occur while Jesus is on earth, which he says is the work of God. Even by current medical standards, this is an incredible moment. The closest we can get, and I checked, is the medical work done in China by an American team who injects stem cells into the eyes of people who are blind from birth, apparently resulting in people seeing for the first time in their lives. Jesus did it 2,000 years ago using mud. Now, to all you thinking people out there, you ask the question, why does he use mud? Because if you were here last week, you'll remember when he healed the son of the, um, the royal official, he did it just by saying, and he did it at a distance. So why does he use mud? All right. It's not because the mud is magic, it does two things. First of all, Jesus wants a response of faith. To be healed, the man had to respond. He had to believe Jesus at his word. He had to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. It's very similar to what happens when Jesus healed that royal official's son last week. He says, go home, your son will live. The man had to believe Jesus at his word. He had to go and check it out. Same here. The blind man has to grope his way in the darkness with mud on his eyes to the pool of Siloam where he expects he'll be healed. Now that requires faith. Faith which sees something in Jesus even though he's physically blind. What does he see? We're going to find out. The second reason, can I borrow that? Thank you. Second reason why Jesus uses mud is to show that this, what this miraculous sign meant. By smearing mud on the man's eyes, if he's going to see, obviously the man has to wash. Jesus sends him to somewhere very specific. Not just to a well, but to the pool of Siloam. Okay, here's the pool of Siloam today. Much smaller than it would have been in Jesus' day because it's had centuries of churches being built around it. All right? But here's what it would have looked like in Jesus' day. And we remember that picture from last week. The pool of Siloam's on the left, the pool of Bethesda's on the right. That was where Jesus healed the disabled man on the right. That was last week. Okay? The, and that's for healings. But the pool of Siloam was for ceremonial washings. Okay. Why does Jesus send this man to the pool of Siloam, not to the pool of Bethesda, to the pool of washing, not the pool of healing? Because that pool, of course, is used for washing if you were unclean. Before you went up to the temple, you needed to wash to get clean to participate in the worship. So what's Jesus doing? By sending him there, he is signifying publicly to everyone that he has been made clean in the sight of God clean in the eyes of God, 
clean in the eyes of God's people. He is now free to do what he had been unable to do. He's free to go to the temple to worship with God's people because he's been accepted by God and made clean. Okay, and that brings us to the real issue driving this story. Will other people see this man, how God sees him, or will they be blind to the obvious work that God has done in him through Jesus? It's not looking positive. When his neighbours see him, they're divided about whether he used to actually be the same man who would sit and beg. Now that shows us something. No one knew him well enough as a close friend to be able to settle the matter. What that means is that he was always an outcast. Always. He's always been rejected. And he, he insists that he's the man who's been healed. Now he's been changed. Will they welcome him as someone restored by God? No. Because we're told that they demand him to answer how his eyes were opened. And that word demand is a mean word. There's no community rejoicing, there's no high fives, there's no amazement, there's no group hug going on here. There's hostility and there's suspicion towards him and his healer. And so to settle things, of course, they bring him to the Pharisees. And now here's the really the, the crucial crux. How will the Jewish leaders see him? Will they accept him as someone who's now clean and acceptable to God and free to worship God with the rest of his people? The reason, of course, why this is important is because this state of relationship of being accepted by God is God's goal for everyone. The Old Testament calls this shalom. The New Testament calls it peace. It doesn't simply mean going to church. It's this positive state of relationship where those who've been excluded and far away are restored and welcomed in to enjoy fellowship with God and with one another. It is God's desire for us. It's why Jesus died for the world, that this would happen. It's the goal that the Bible calls rest. The blind man all his life had been shut out and excluded. He was unclean, an outcast. Jesus had restored him. Would the Jewish leaders accept him? So now the spotlight is shining on them. They're the pastors, they're the shepherds of Israel. They are responsible for tending God's flock for seeking after the strays, for looking after the sick, for feeding the sheep. So here's the test. Will the leaders of God's people accept an outcast who has now come to them as someone who has been restored by God? We're going to find out. First of all, it's time to sing. We continue in John 9 on page 1665. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the eyes was Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. 
Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he's our son, the parents answered. We know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple? We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind... You would not be guilty of sin, but now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Thank you, Sue. Would the leaders of God's people accept an outcast who is now acceptable to God? Of course they didn't. We've heard two rounds of interrogations. We've seen the healed man's eyes opening even more to who Jesus is, and we've seen the Jewish leader's eyes closing in blindness to who Jesus is. Open, shut them. Uh, It's a blindness about Jesus which they have. At first glance, the questions seem innocent enough. How did you receive your sight? To which they get a straightforward answer. 
The man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on, his, on my eyes, told me to go to Siloam and wash. I went and washed. I could see. Except that we know there's an agenda because Jesus and the leaders have some history already. If you were here last week, you'll remember how they took exception to the fact that Jesus healed a disabled man and told him to carry his mat on the Sabbath. That brought them into a whole round of conflict, which we've skipped over in chapters 7 and 8, including the Jews trying to stone Jesus to death. And now Jesus does another healing on the Sabbath. Now, this isn't against any law in the Bible. It was against the extra rules the Pharisees had made about what people could or couldn't do on the Sabbath. And you may have noticed in your life experience, some religious people have very high views about their own rules of what people can and can't do. All right. So their question, how did you receive your sight, which seems innocent, it's not innocent. They're collecting evidence to use against Jesus. And it's so similar, isn't it, to people today. So many people think that they are experts on Jesus and they'll collect every excuse they can to dismiss him and they'll take great delight in telling us but their minds are already made up. But of course, we shouldn't be completely discouraged because even within the Pharisees' ranks, there's disagreement about Jesus. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he he does not keep the Sabbath. Others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they're divided. Anyway, they then turn to the man, to the real issue. What did he think about Jesus? Because it was his eyes that were opened. The man says he's a prophet. In other words, he is clearly from God. That would seem obvious, but not if this man was a charlatan only pretending to have been healed. And so to settle it, they call the man's parents. Is this your son? We know he's our son. Is this the one you say was born blind? We know he was born blind, which means a miracle has occurred. And we'd expect the parents, of course, to be over the moon with joy for their son, who for the first time in his life can see. But they're not. Under the pressure of interrogation, they distance themselves from their their son. We don't know how he was healed. We don't know who healed him. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. They're afraid. Afraid of the Jews, afraid of being rejected by the religious bigwigs because they know that the interrogation is a sham. They know that the the minds of the leaders have already been made up and that their judgment is cast because John says the Jews had decided that anyone who had acknowledged Jesus as the Christ was to be put out of the synagogue. You see how blindness spreads. Leaders themselves pontificate, they make blind judgments And then through the exercise of fear and intimidation, force their people to close their eyes to the evidence. What a wonderful thing that the claims of Christianity are actually open for investigation. Uh, You can investigate. So if you're here and you've got an inquiring mind, you can can investigate. Uh, Afterwards, I meant to bring a copy of a book called The Case for Christ, a free copy. I'll give it away to you if you'd like to look at the free evidence. Okay. Different to this story where for a second time the leaders interrogate the man and now they apply pressure. Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. That's pressure, isn't it? Pressure. To infer the only way that God is going to be glorified is if you agree with us. (laughs) And you come out against Jesus. The joy of the story is that even though the leaders deliberately 
close their eyes to Jesus, and even though this works against them because their, their stubbornness, that actually, their stubbornness is the thing that helps open this man's eyes to Jesus even more. Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Well, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, now I can see. What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I've told you already. You don't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? I love this, don't you? They hurl insults at him. You're this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we don't know where he comes from. That's remarkable. I love this. Doesn't he sound so Australian? You know, you don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. No one's ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. I mean, blind Freddie knows that this is an outstanding miracle. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. It's very persuasive reasoning, isn't it? The uniqueness of the miracle shows that Jesus is from God. Isaiah the prophet, he wrote that when God himself came up to deliver his people, the eyes of the blind would be opened. Well, now they've been opened. What does that mean? God's turned up to deliver his people. Please see what comes next. Because how do... Israel's leaders pastor a vulnerable person who's been restored. Do they welcome him in as someone accepted by God? Do they allow him to be included in worship? You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And then they threw him out. They were the leaders of Israel. They were tasked with the pastoral care of the people, of caring for the flock, seeking out and bringing back the strays. But here they are, faced with a prime chance to welcome a stray... And they show that their pastoral care is appalling. Whereas they should have welcomed him in, instead they throw him out. That will lead Jesus in the next chapter to speak about false shepherds of God's people. Those he calls strangers and hired hands and thieves and robbers. Those who attack the sheep of the flock. Those who come only to kill and to to steal and destroy. In Ezekiel 34, God promised that Because the false shepherds of Israel ruled the flock harshly and brutally, he himself would turn up to shepherd the flock. He himself would search for the lost and bring back the strays. And what does Jesus do? Well, when he hears that the Jewish leaders have thrown him out, Jesus goes and he searches after him until he finds him. Ezekiel In Ezekiel, God promises that having found the strays, God would bind up the injured and strengthen the weak and place over them one shepherd who would shepherd his flock with justice. After Jesus finds this man, he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man who hasn't yet seen Jesus, right? Because he wasn't healed until after he left Jesus. He hasn't seen him. He says, who is he? Tell me so that I may believe. He wants to believe in the Son of Man. Because the Son of Man in the Old Testament was the one who would bring justice. And Ezekiel, God, in Ezekiel, God had promised that he would shepherd his flock with justice. This man, rejected when he was blind, rejected now that he sees, he's been the victim of injustice all his life. He wants to believe in the Son of Man so that there'll be justice. Tell me who he is. You have seen him. In fact, He is the one speaking with you. The man says, Lord, I believe. And then he worships him. 
And this man's eyes are now completely open to Jesus is, who Jesus is. From man of God, to prophet, to son of man, to the one worthy of worship, God himself. And Jesus issued no word of rebuke, no word to dissuade him from worshipping. Jesus, the man, allowed himself to be worshipped, which if he was a prophet and from God, but not God, he would have put out a hand to dissuade him, he would have rebuked him. Jesus, the prophet from God, who is truly from God, allows him to be worshipped, showing that Jesus, in his own understanding, knew himself to be God in the flesh. Who do you see when you look at Jesus? For this brief moment, you see God opened this man's eyes to who Jesus truly is. Some people would mock and they'd think, what sort of a man allows himself to be worshipped as God? The answer is the light of the world who restores sight to the blind. The good shepherd who searches after his strays until he finds them. The good shepherd who shepherds his flock with justice. The good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He came so that the blind would see. He came to heal and restore. He came to welcome people into his arms, into the arms of God. But the flip side of that is that people will mock and interrogate and then judge with hostility the one who in the end will judge them. Who do we see Jesus is? Are our eyes open to him or closed? Let's pray. Father, please open our eyes to Jesus. And please may our preconceptions not blind us. Please may he restore us as you bring us together as your people, forgiven, restored, and worshipping. In Jesus' name, amen.